You are listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, please visit us at www.riversideconnect.org. In this last message, I want to take one final survey of our differences. We've been talking about our differences, interpersonal conflict, and, and a conflict that we have with, within the church is what we're really kind of focusing in on today, and conflict, just, you know, general conflict with others. But the differences that we have, can we get to the point each week where we could celebrate the differences? And that's really where we're going to try to land the plane today as we bring this home. But I want to encourage those of you who do have the Riverside app open to take the survey questions there, the poll questions. I'm going to give us some of those uh, here this morning uh, live. You can raise your hands as we think about the different um, differences that we have. How many of you would say, I sleep on my stomach? Let me see your hands there. All right. How many of you sleep on your back? See your hands. All right. See, we're already different. How many of you are left-handed? Let me see your hands. All right, and that must mean the rest of you are right-handed, right? Need a third option, both hands, right? Yes, I, I, can, uh, I can attest to that myself. Uh, how many of you drink your coffee black? Okay, how many of you drink it like me, a little frou-frou? It's got uh, cream and sugar in it, yes? All right, okay. I have not yet grown up. I'm still drinking it with cream and sugar. That's what Pastor Bill tells me. How many of you drive American-made car? How many of you drive a foreign car then? All right. And how many of you hope to drive someday? Yes. I see some hands around the room there. Yes. Okay. How many of you, when you read your Bible, you read a, we're talking about a paper Bible here or a digital Bible. How many of you read a digital Bible? You prefer to read a digital Bible? All right. How many of you then are a paper Bible? Okay. If you don't own one, there's some under the chairs there. Feel free to take one today. That'll be our gift to you. How many of you, if you're going to eat, you prefer to eat in, inside your home? You like a home-cooked meal? Okay, that's me. How many of you prefer to eat out? All right, great. I'd be happy to go with any of you afterwards today to lunch. So uh, just let me know, and we'll, we'll hook up afterwards, all right? How many of you, this is an incredibly, incredibly important question. How many of you believe that the toilet paper roll should be pulled down? Let me see your hands. Okay. The rest of you sinners, you're pulling it up. Is that the deal? Okay. Please, I will come to your house and personally adjust that for you. If you need me to do that, just, just let me know. I'm on top of that. All right. How many of you, you're going on a vacation and your, your, your choices here are a beach or a mountain? Okay. So how many of you are going to the mountains for your vacation? All right. All right. And how many of you then for the beach? All right. Great. There's a million other options, but those are the only two I gave you. And then last but not least, this has a lot to do with how well you follow Jesus, this last question, all right? How many of you are dog people? You know what's coming. How many of you are the cat people in the room? (laughs) And there's no, yes, you don't care. How many of you don't care about either one? Yes, all right. All right, so we've all got our differences. Now, I want to ask you, if you would, to all of you, close your eyes. Okay, everybody play along here, okay? Close your eyes. And how many of you would say, I find myself in this day and this season in conflict with somebody else? Just raise up your hand real quick. All right? All right, now we can all open our eyes. Okay, now, how many of you would say, that person is here in the room? No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Just kidding. Don't, Don't look at them, all right? All right. 
So, today we are going to wrap up this series with this look at our differences, and we're going to talk about internally what goes on when we get into these conflicts with other people around us, whether those are people in our home, people uh, that we work with, people on the street, people uh, that we're driving around, whatever it might be, what's happening inside of us? And we're going to begin in a few of the, in, in the book of James, um, James chapter 4 is where we're going to start this morning. So if you want to follow along there, you can do that. If you want to turn in the New Testament book of James, James was written to the 12 tribes, kind of a, a general um, address that James sends it to. And uh, James is the brother of Jesus. So we got to keep this in mind as we're looking here at these verses, because here's a guy who, when Jesus was walking around on this earth, I mean, what would it take for you to believe that your sibling is the son of God? There's no way my sister's (laughs) going to believe that about me. I can promise you that. So here's James, and he finally, after the resurrection, becomes a follower of his own brother. And so he's going to write these words in James chapter 4 and verse 1. We'll put them on the screen. What, he says, is causing the quarrels and fights among you? And we'll just stop there because he's writing to the church and he's saying, hey, among the family of believers, people who have agreed to the family rules, we're all bought in. And what is it, he says, that causes fights uh, among you? People who have said, hey, no matter if we're in church No matter if we're in school, no matter if we're on this campus or that campus, no matter where we find ourselves, believers have conflict, and it's about what's going on inside. In fact, he goes on to address the issue of what is the source of conflict. Here's what he says in the last part of verse 1. Don't they come from the, help me out here, the evil desires at war within you, he says. The bottom line, and I thought the the, the, the thought today is the problem is me. So we must, in order to figure this whole thing out, to be able to live with our differences, we've got to be able to begin to live with our differences by admitting that the problem is in us. And no one says, amen, hallelujah. Nobody's like shouting about that. We don't want, our knee-jerk reaction is, no, 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 you don't know my situation. If you only knew him, you would know where the problem lies. I mean, have you met my teacher? I mean, the problem is definitely there. Have you met my mom? I mean, come on, David. It's always the other person, but the truth of Scripture teaches us is that it begins right here within us. We want what we want because we think it is what we need. And desiring is tiring, is it not? He talks here about the evil desires at war within you. We never have enough. We never have enough stuff we never have enough money, we never have enough status, we have never, never have enough position, and we always are desiring more. And we find ourselves falling into a comparison trap. I mean, just think about your latest posts on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. Nobody's posting about how rough the day was and how awful they failed, right? I mean, occasionally you'll get somebody like that, but most people are like, hey, this is awesome over here, and then look over here. And if you look online, it's always the food I'm eating and the excitement that I have about that. I'm not posting about my bad days and the stuff that I do that just are just, I can't believe that ugliness within me. And so we compare ourselves. We look at other people's stuff and we look at other people's experiences and other people's vacations and other people's careers and other people's levels of income and their spheres of influence. And we say, man, I wish I had that. I wish I had that. And that causes conflict because we want what other people have. In fact, James goes on. And he says, you want what you don't have. 
Remember that toy that you needed when you were a kid? That if you could have, you know, the, the, your friend down the street had that toy. And if you could just get that toy, you would just be made. Everything would be awesome. And then you get the toy and a few weeks, months later, you don't even know where that toy is. Or what about your first car? I've got to have that car. That car will be awesome and I will have that car for the rest of my life. Chances are you don't have any idea what your first car was. If you've been driving for any length of time, you've already forgotten about it. And we want this stuff. Remember, your fr- I've got to have that cell phone. I've got to have that smartphone. And then after a few months, it's not so smart after all, is it? And we compare this and we compare that and we scheme. He says, you want what you don't have. The job, the position, the title, the income. You want him, you want her, you want them. And you don't get it, he says. So you scheme and you kill to get it. James is using hyperbole here, very aggressive language. He says, you are jealous of what, other ha- of what others have. Now think just this week about the ways that you've compared yourself to somebody else. Maybe jealousy got just a little bit into your heart there. You think James knows because he's experienced it himself? His brother was God. You're jealous of what others have, but you can't get it. So you fight and you wage war to take it away from them. Again, he's writing to believers. He's not writing to people who aren't following Jesus. And if you're not following Christ and you're sitting in here this morning, or maybe somebody had you listen on podcast and you're listening right now, you got to know that we're wrestling with this stuff just as much as everybody else in this world. We haven't arrived. We're in process. So he says, yet you don't have what you want because you don't, notice that, ask God for it. What is it this week, even today, that you've asked God for? Think about that as you think through what we're talking about here today. It says, and even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You only want what will give you what? Pleasure. Relationally, our instinct is to fight for our desires. We need to win and have the last word. And the ultimate failure that happens far too often between Christians is that we sling scriptures at each other when, we're dif- when we have disagreements, when we have differences, and we shoot each other like daggers, you know, stabbing each other with like daggers with the word of God. The writer of Proverbs has a very interesting observation that I want to point you to in this moment. It says, many are the plans in a person's heart. He kind of summarizes what James has been saying hundreds of years before James would even write those words. Many are the plans. We've all got plans. We've got plans for Memorial Day weekend. We want to do things that we want to do, and that's, there's nothing necessarily inherently wrong with that, but the question is, this last part, many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. And are we living lives where we get to the point where his purposes are prevailing? The truth is they will prevail one way or the other. The question is, is how we go along the journey, how pleasant it is along the way. So the writer of Proverbs says, hey, you can have all the plans in the world. Chances are they're going to be more about yourself, but if you'll get in alignment with God, then his purpose will truly prevail. And we can lean into that. So with these struggles that James is really depicting here for us, with those struggles in mind, my challenge for us today is to ask God how to live 
with our differences and seek to know his purpose in the middle of all of this. Now, King David really blew it in this area in a particular season of his life. He had his plans. He had his desires. In fact, he is, his life and story is the illustration of what James was writing about. We want what we don't have, and so we scheme and we kill to get it. I wonder if James was thinking about David's story when he wrote those words. If you remember the story of King David, one night he finds himself up on a rooftop when he should have been out at war, should have been with the generals, should have been doing what kings were supposed to be doing. Instead, he looks down and he sees Bathsheba taking a bath, and so he wants her, he calls for her, he takes her, she gets pregnant, then he has to scheme in the middle of all of this to get rid of her husband, has her husband murdered, and then God sends the prophet Nathan to call him out on it and say, hey, buddy, King David, you've lied, you've cheated, you've robbed, you've committed adultery, you've taken what isn't yours, you've killed to get it, you're guilty. And in the middle of all of that, when David has the breakthrough that, hey, all of this internal mess, all this conflict is within him, and because of him, he prays an amazing prayer. And it's in your notes. You'll see it there, Psalm 51 and verse 10. He says, create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. When we come to the realization that our internal selfish desires are what causes so much of the conflict around us, and causes so much of the relational angst and so much of the relational painful separation, when those things happen, it is time for us to stretch, to live with our differences by inviting and allowing the Holy Spirit to transform our hearts. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. We come to God and we ask Him to begin to work by His Holy Spirit in our lives to help us to wrestle through the differences that we have with others. And His Holy Spirit sends amazing things. In fact, there's a great list in the New Testament. Things like love and joy and peace, patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness, gentleness and self-control, all of those things are what should be the marks of Jesus' followers. It's what should be the thing that helps us to celebrate our differences. And we allow the Holy Spirit access to our heart to transform our hearts, and that happens every single day in the decisions that we make. Every single day when you are faced with a conflicting moment because of the differences that you have with other people around you, you have a decision to make. Will I choose the way that honors God and brings his purpose to fruition in my life? Or will I choose my own selfish desires? Every single one of us, every single day, in every moment has to make a decision. The great thing is, is that God, by his Holy Spirit, sends that power not only to make the right choice, but then to follow through on it. And to say no to our selfish desires and those internal things that we want and say yes to what our Heavenly Father wants. And that will be a lifelong journey that we all will have to wrestle with because we're different. But the point for us as we land this series today is that we could get to the place where we could actually celebrate the differences that we have with other believers. We're going to talk about that in just a few moments. The Apostle Paul wrote to a church in Ephesus and he talks about cooperating with the Holy Spirit. He says these things in, in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 
15. So be careful. Be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are what? Wise. Wise people are able to figure out how to celebrate the differences that they have with others. He says, make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. In Paul's day, people would you know, get drunk, and then they would do some drugs, and then they would try to connect with the gods using that method. And he's saying, no, no, no. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's an imperative. It's a command. It's be being kept filled. It's every single day being filled with the Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts and give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And further, notice this, submit to one another. Why? Because they're worthy of our submission? Because they're better than us? Because they're smarter than us? They're faster than us? They're cooler than us? No, we do it out of reverence for Christ. And again, Paul is seeing conflict, differences. He's seeing it in Ephesus. He sees it in Colossae. He writes about it there. He sees it in Corinth. He sees it in Rome. All of these believers coming together battling through their differences. They have differences of opinion and politics and religious experiences and all the different stuff that comes into everyday life. And it happened to be that he called two people out of the church in Philippi. And I want you to notice what he says here, because the truth is that we cannot continue to move forward as a church. No church can continue to move forward when it has conflict. Jesus' movement can't move forward if the believers that are a part of his movement are just in constant conflict. So here's what Paul, writing to the church in Philippi, says. He says, I urge Yodia and Syntyche to iron out their differences. These two ladies who had been in ministry with him, something had turned sideways, and their differences were now causing conflict, and it was getting ugly. And he says, I I urge them to iron out their differences and make up, literally, be of the same mind. They may not always agree, but they can have the mind of Christ on these matters. Notice what he says, God doesn't want his children, what? Holding grudges. So who are you holding a grudge against today? Paul wants to step on your toes today, and he wants to tell you, stop holding grudges. Let go of those things iron out your differences, be of the same mind. Get to the point where you can celebrate the differences with the people around you. He asked the church to be his partner in doing that because these people had worked hard to share the gospel message, the good news of Jesus, and now conflict had derailed them. In in earlier in Philippians, he talks about that same mind in Christ. Notice what he says in verse 1 of Philippians 2. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, when we come to faith in Jesus, when we begin to follow him, we are united with him. He literally lives in us through his Holy Spirit and is there to help us to celebrate and live and stretch to live with our differences. 
if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and purpose. God has called us to unity. Does that mean that we'll always see eye to eye on everything because we are different? Does it mean that everybody that you work with or everybody even that lives in your home that you're going to see eye to eye with them on everything? It just isn't possible. We have differences. But can we learn to function and have the same mind of Christ moving forward? Paul thought it was possible. And here's how. Do nothing. Absolutely nothing out of selfish ambition. Literally, it means a competitive spirit. Don't be competing with the people around you. Have, uh, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. In other words, value others. You defer to them. Yeah, but I'm right. You defer. Yeah, but they, I got my, yeah, defer. Consider others more valuable than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, which is our default, but also to the interests of others. You put in your heart and in your mind and you make a conscious decision to put the concerns of others ahead of your own. And they do the same and you begin to live to celebrate your differences out of reverence for Christ. When you do it and they do it, and there's a beautiful union of that in your home and in your family, you do it not because they're awesome or they're worthy. You do it out of reverence for Jesus because you follow Christ. Now, there are stages in our differences. And it begins but with the stage of fascination. We're fascinated by the differences of the people around us. I mean, just think about your own. If you're married, think about your marriage. Think about your dating relationships. You're fascinated because he's so spontaneous. She's so organized. You've never seen a spreadsheet put together like she can put together. You love that he can just immediately come up with a game plan and you'll go and it's just wonderful. And that, that's so fascinating. You love that she tries all these different recipes and this is fascinating to you. Whatever it is that, that attracts you. You're, you love coming to a company. You love working with certain people because they're different than you. You're fascinated by that and you're excited about that. But what happens over the course of time is that those differences move from fascination to irritation. If she shows me one more spreadsheet, I am... He burns through the money. I love his spontaneity, but he's always blowing through the money. Ah, oh, he's so creative. Ah, oh, she's so this. You, know, you think about all the things that you love, and then all of a sudden you find yourself totally, totally irritated by those. You get under your skin. You know what I'm talking about? And then if you hang on long enough, after you've gotten through that irritation stage, you, you move into the toleration stage, and you just tolerate it. And it's almost as if you're coexisting. And the things that so were so fascinating to you at the beginning, now they're really just 
kind of an irritation, and maybe, maybe there's not as much volatility because you've just given up. You're ignoring it. You've gone to war over it so many times that it's just not worth it, and so you're cohabitating. You're just working in another cubicle next to somebody, but you're not really talking to them. You used to be really great friends with your neighbors, but some stuff went wrong, and now you just kind of tolerate them. You see them, and you don't want to have any interaction with them. Those friends that you had in classrooms that were so cool at first, now you just don't want to have anything to do with them, and you're tolerating each other. But beyond that toleration stage, if you can hang on long enough, and if you can do what we're about to talk about here in a minute, what the Scriptures teach, you can begin to move to a stage that, that sounds a lot like appreciation. And you can begin to appreciate each other for the differences that you have, for the different ways of thinking, the different ways of approaching solving problems, of living life, of how you handle your finances, of what you do with your time. She's always late. He's always early. But we get to the place where we can appreciate that. <laughs> Maybe you take two cars. <laughs> but then, ultimately, our Heavenly Father wants us to get to the place where we get beyond appreciation to celebration. Where we can truly celebrate how someone else is wired differently than we are. Where we're not just simply fascinated, we've moved past the irritation. Yeah, we're going to wander in through these different stages at various times. But can we get to the point where we truly thank God and celebrate how others are wired that are different than us? I sat down with Amy this week and I asked her, I said, hey, um, what should I say now <laughs> after this? I said, how have we moved through these stages in our own relationship? And I had some thoughts and she had some thoughts and I heard my parents talk about it. They were married for nearly 50 years. And uh, some of the things that they recommended to get to this point, obviously we've talked about some of these throughout the scriptures, but you put other people first. You look for the good in them. You actually look for the good. Our default tendency is to look for the faults in others. And sometimes maybe just maybe you actually have to write them down. Make a list. When you're feeling good about the person, make a list. He's this, he's this, he's this, he's this, she's this, she's this. And then when you are irritated or when you're frustrated, or when the differences are causing tension, you go back to that list and say, oh, yeah, yeah, she's got these things that I absolutely love. Yeah, my boss is really irritating me today, but look at all these good things right here. You make a list, and you, you think about that, and you thank God for that regularly. You pray for that person that's so different than you. Then you give them the most generous explanation for their behavior in any situation, you look for good motives and don't assume bad motives. Our natural tendency, by default, is to give ourselves the best explanation for our behavior, is it not? That's just what we do. We think the best about ourselves. But what if instead of thinking the best about ourselves, what if we actually looked for the best in somebody else? Oh, that's happening today because she doesn't feel well. He's sick today. I'll give them some extra space. I'll give them some extra rope there, so to speak. 
What if we actually looked for the best in others and we dwelt on the fine, good things in others? That's what Paul recommends to us in Philippians chapter 4. He says, think on things that are right, true, pure, lovely, excellent, praiseworthy. He talks about all those things. He says, dwell on the fine, good things in others. But so many of us, we're making assumptions about people's motives, about people, why they said what they've said, why they've done what they've done. What if we instead looked for the very best in them, gave them the most generous explanation? Amy wrote these words, the grass is greener where you water it, not on the other side. So, what are you doing to move towards celebration with the people that are different than you? Can you get there? It takes a long time sometimes. But you can purpose in your heart as we end this season of this message series to ask God to help you every day. Lord, help me not just to be irritated or tolerate their differences. Help us to not just appreciate, but could we get to the place where we could truly, honestly celebrate? I'm going to ask the worship team to come, and we're going to respond. And I want you to just um, be honest with yourself. Can we put those stages back up there again real quick, please? I want you to be honest with yourself right now. As you're sitting there in that place and you're thinking about the people that are around you that are different than you, I want you to think about the stage that you find yourself in today. What would it take for you to begin to appreciate and to celebrate how they are different than you? If you're just going to try to strong arm it yourself, and try to be better at it and best of intentions, good luck. That'll last about a day. Jesus wants us to be filled with his Holy Spirit. His Holy Spirit came so that we could celebrate our differences, so that we could be full of the love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness, faithfulness and gentleness. And you can't control the other person. You can try, but good luck with that too. He has invited us to celebrate our differences out of reverence for Christ. I'm going to invite you, if you would, to stand with me, and I'm going to pray. And then we're going to worship. And as we worship, you can come and find a place to pray around this altar. Some prayer partners will be out on either side there. They came today to lift up the concerns that you might have. Maybe it's about something that we've talked about here this morning. Maybe you know you're living in the irritation stage and you want to talk to God about that privately or with somebody else. Maybe you're just tolerating. You know it deep down inside and you know the road ahead will be long, but you want the Holy Spirit to help you. Maybe you snapped this week at somebody. You were anything but full of peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness. Maybe you snapped at your kids. Maybe you snapped at your mom and dad. Maybe you were disrespectful to somebody. Maybe the differences that you have have created such a tension that you can't see how to get back across the bridge to build, to build that bridge towards somebody else. But you want to ask Jesus to help you to do that. Don't go this alone. Be full of God's Spirit. Best place to start is around an altar, allowing God to work in your heart. So as we sing these songs, I encourage you to step out and to allow God to minister to you. Lord, Thanks for what you've said to us today.
by your word. Help us, Lord, to take the next steps that need to be taken so that we can resolve the conflict. Jesus, thank you for resolving the conflict between us, with you, with our Heavenly Father at the cross through your death and your resurrection. And Lord, if there's anyone in this place that's exploring faith in you, they have yet to commit their lives, their eternal destiny to you. Would you help them to find within themselves the ability to put their trust, even with questions, even with concerns, even with doubts in you, to put their life in your hands, to call out to you and ask you to bring peace to their hearts, peace to their souls, to make peace between them and you today. For others of us, Lord, to find ourselves in this season of difficulty, would you help us to pray for that person at work, at school, in our home that we're in conflict with? Lord, we ask you for guidance and wisdom to know what to do with what we've heard today. Holy Spirit, would you fill us, overflow in us with love and let the fruits be on display within us to show that we belong to you. Lord, you said that it would be by our love for each other that the world would believe in you. So help us to love well. Forgive us where we have failed at that this day and this week. Cleanse us. Give us a fresh start. As we come and we seek you around this altar, we invite others to pray for us. Would you meet us at the point of brokenness and need today? It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Let's worship. Thank you for listening to the Riverside Community Church Podcast. For more information, please visit us at www.riversideconnect.org.